Why are prescription drugs so expensive in America, but so affordable in Canada? Is Big Pharma gaming the system, or are there other barriers impacting the market that force prices to the moon? Maybe it's both. I'm Dwayne Lester, and in this Insight to Action, Dean Clancy, a senior policy fellow at Americans for Prosperity, explains why things are the way they are and how we can create a system that provides affordable prescription drugs for our healthcare needs. Here we go. Dean, we are back once again to talk about a personal option. Today, we are looking at uh, the fact that we believe all Americans deserve access to the latest life-saving drugs at a reasonable price. And my mind, the first question goes to, uh, you know, define a reasonable price, because that tends to be relative depending on who you are. Well, uh, that's right. It is subjective. Uh, one person may find a price reasonable and another person unreasonable. And that's why we rely on markets uh, where people, you know, buyers and sellers can come together freely to, to arrive at a mutually agreeable price. It's based on consent. That's the essence of, of the best possible approach uh, to prescription drugs and any, any good or service. Drugs are a little bit hot politically because people often need them as a matter of life and death, or at least of, of health and comfort and convenience, and uh, they are wonderful. You know, prescription drugs are absolutely wonderful uh, inventions, and they do a lot of good, but sometimes they're very expensive. Uh, in the United States, we generally don't imply, uh, apply government price controls on prescription drugs, and that's a good thing, because if we did that, the drugs wouldn't be available at all. We'd have drug shortages. We'd also stifle innovation. Uh, but your question was, well, what's a reasonable price? And I would say it's what buyers and sellers are willing to agree to. What do you think is keeping, keeping us from getting reasonable prices on prescription drugs now? One of the things we consistently hear is that drugs are so much cheaper in Canada or they're so much cheaper anywhere else but the United States. What is it that is making prescription drugs so much more expensive in the United States than other places? Well, it's what I said before. We don't apply government price controls as a general rule in this country. and But other countries like Canada do. And uh, yes, those drugs can be more affordable in those countries if you can find them. But there are shortages that result. And by the way, in single-payer healthcare systems, socialized medicine systems, which Canada has one of the most famous examples of, you often can't get access to new drugs at all. Uh, a statistic, in Canada, all the new drugs that come out, and many of them are developed in the United States, only about half of those are made available to Canadians through their socialized medical system because the government deems these drugs too expensive. You just can't have it at any price. In the United States, it's more like 90% of new drugs are available. And that yes, they may be expensive at first. And we should talk about why they're so expensive. But in those other countries, drugs may appear to cost less, but there's a downside. You may not have access at all. So the American system, despite its 
challenges is still better. And part of what's going on there, Duane, is drug companies have to recover their costs for developing a drug. It, it costs $3 billion in 10 years to get a new drug to market in the United States because of all the government uh, hurdles, you know, FDA approval. It's a very long, arduous process. Plus the drug companies have to, you know, experiment with thousands of compounds to find one that works. They, you know, most of their experiments fail until they finally have a success. That costs a lot of money. And, um, and they have to recoup those costs somehow. So that's why drugs tend to be more expensive in this country. But once uh, patents go away and you get uh, generic alternatives, competition, prices tend to come down. And that's how the system works. There are flaws in it. We need to fix those. But in general, it's a good system. Tell me about some of those flaws. Uh, for example, patents on drugs. Uh, sometimes the brand name drug companies will game the system uh, to keep those monopolies. A patent is a government monopoly, a temporary one designed to encourage innovation, but they, they figured out how to game the system to keep those monopolies going far longer than was ever intended. So, for example, you develop a blockbuster drug and then you reformulate it in a new form, like it's two pills instead of you know, one pill instead of two, or a different color, or you know, it's a gel tab instead of a regular pill, or what have you, they can get patents for those new versions and then, in effect, extend their patent. Uh, it's called evergreening. It's a problem, and people on both sides of the aisle in Congress recognize that, but they haven't been able to come up uh, yet with um, a fix to that. But it's, it's something that could be fixed without hurting the, the, the just rights of inventors. I mean, you do want the patent system to encourage innovation because of those high costs that I mentioned. But, but that kind of game playing, there's another example of game playing. Drug companies will sometimes pay the potential competitors, you know, the ones who want to come in with a generic version of the drug, basically pay them to keep that drug off the market. So the generic company makes money by being bribed by the brand manufacturer. So you can see there's some problems there. But in general, the, the basic principles are good. And, and this whole movement to basically stifle innovation with drug price control boards and bureaucrats determining what's the fair price and imposing price controls, that will have terrible negative consequences. And that's why Americans for Prosperity has been so uh, vocal in opposing those proposals. We talked about good insurance at an affordable price last time. And I can't help but wonder how much of the problems that we see in the insurance industry have a spillover effect into getting quality prescription drugs at a reasonable price. Do we see an overlap there at all? Oh, absolutely. Um, because some drugs, not all, you know, most drugs, by the way, that Americans consume are generics, like 90% of all drug purchases are actually generics. It's only 20% that's the branded drugs, but those branded drugs, some of them are so expensive that they constitute a significant percentage of the actual expenditure. Um, but they go through insurance. You know, you don't just buy it out of pocket at the pharmacy. You generally will pull out an insurance card to pay for it. And uh, that can be good and bad. It can be good if it means that you have a very low copay or cost share. You're not exposed to the full price of an expensive drug. Uh, or it can be uh, bad because uh, the insurance company might decide, you know what, this drug, we don't, we don't, we don't have faith in this drug. We're going to 
make you pay a significantly higher amount to have access to it. So drug company, excuse me, insurance companies do manipulate and try to control our access to drugs, especially the, the higher price drugs. And, um, and that's a problem that also uh, calls out for some reform. So we need price transparency. Uh, we, you know, people need to know how much these things cost up front. There's a lot of middlemen, pharmacy benefit managers and others that negotiate these deals that no one can see that basically, uh, you know, people are getting uh, a cut of the action, if you will, often at the expense of uh, insurance premium payers. You know, there's there's a, an Alzheimer's drug just got approved by the FDA. It's the first Alzheimer's drug in 18 years. There's some question about how effective it is, but they decided to approve it, and it costs $56,000 a year. And all it does is slow down the development of Alzheimer's. It doesn't cure it. Some people are, are critical and think that a price control should be imposed. It shouldn't be that expensive. And by the way, we hear the same thing said about insulin. I have a child with type 1 diabetes, so the price of insulin is very interesting to me. But my feeling is it's better to have an expensive drug than no drug at all. Therefore, we kind of have to, to allow this and hope that the insurance companies will cover it, understanding that we'll drive up our premiums. But as I say, it's better to have a costly drug for a while, temporary, than no drug at all. I'm glad you brought up insulin. Um, as most responsible Americans do, I get most of the information about important issues from Facebook memes. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's one going around now that talks about the price of insulin being increasing. I think I may be mistaken. I thought they said it was like $700 a dose. I don't know. Has the cost of insulin increased over the years? And if it has, help me understand why a drug that we understand we've had for a long time, why would it increase in price? Insulin is a tough case. And um, as a, an insulin buyer myself uh, for our son, I, I get a little angry about it. Um, the history is interesting. Insulin for diabetics was invented in this country about a century ago. And of course, it was a wonderful breakthrough because before that, diabetes was effectively a death sentence. I mean, the, the medical prescription for diabetics was effectively to starve them. You know, to, I mean, it was horrible. And then they figured out how to, to get insulin uh, from pigs. Ev eventually, several decades later, they were able to formulate human insulin. And, they, you know, they've really mastered the technology over time. But uh, those patents obviously ran out long ago. So why would insulin still be so expensive? And by the way, Eli Lilly was basically the monopoly producer of insulin for a long time and still dominates that in industry. And the answer is it's a combination of, of the things that I've mentioned earlier. There's the evergreening that's going on where the insulin companies say, well, we've developed a new kind of syringe to, de to deliver the insulin in a, in a different dose. And so they try to extend their patent that way, or it's a slightly better formulation. Um, insulin is what they call a, uh, a biologic. It's not like uh, other drugs that are basically just a molecule, often in pill form or liquid form, but a biologic is, is like, a, it's made from living tissue. And that can be very complicated and can be very complicated to produce a generic alternative. Now, the fact is, 
you can produce generic alternatives to insulin, and there are some out there, but there's still something going on in the market where, in effect, it's as if all the players are colluding to keep the price as high as possible. And it has boiled over into the political world, and politicians are looking for a solution. Unfortunately, they're looking to just impose price controls. In fact, Donald Trump uh, did that in his last year in office. He said, look, in Medicare, we're not going to pay more than $35 a month for insulin. It should be as cheap as water. And, you know, our feeling is, well, insulin should be much more affordable. Government-imposed uh, price controls is never the right way to get there. One thing that we also see as a solution from politicians is importing drugs. We hear constantly drugs are more expensive in the United States than they are in Canada. Why not allow the importation of drugs from Canada back into the United States? A argument against that that I've traditionally seen has been if you allow that, then you're disincentivizing what we've talked about before, the research and development, the the creation of new drugs, because the basically the United States has been carrying the financial burden of research and development because we pay so much more than the foreign countries do. What would be wrong with the importation of new drugs? And is that something that in a personal option we would be for or against? We are definitely for the legal importation of drugs. It fits right in with our general philosophy about uh, free trade and immigration, reasonable immigration laws to allow goods and people to move across international borders. And frankly, we don't agree uh, with the pharmaceutical industry on this issue. The pharma tends to say that importation is terrible. It'll allow unsafe and counterfeit drugs into the country. What they're really concerned is that we would, in effect, be importing foreign price controls into the United States. And um, there's some truth in that. But guess what? When you do that, you also export pressure on those foreign governments to ease their price controls. Canada, for example, does not like the idea of widespread importation of drugs from their country into ours because it would cause shortages on their side of the line. It would expose the fallacy of their price control policy. And um, so we go back to the first principle, which is an individual, including an importer, should be able to purchase drugs abroad and bring them into the United States. And if, if that's at a more affordable price, good for them. Would there be any repercussions from maybe exporters saying, well, I'm not, we're just going to stop exporting to these countries? Uh, that, that will solve the problem. You can't import something that's never been exported. And would that then go back to what you were saying? Look, if, if the price controls are creating a shortage we've got to change. Is that kind of where you're getting at there? Well, um, these, these drug makers will, uh, will produce con uh, drugs and sell them all over the world. And uh, they'll sell them even for price controlled prices in many cases. Sometimes they will refuse. They'll say, sorry, we're not going to sell our product in your country because the price you're insisting on is simply too low. That does happen. But Oftentimes, they would rather have access to the market at a low price than, than no access at all. So they sell in Canada, for example, and they sell in the United States. And yes, the price can be different in the two countries because of the price controls. Um, but then if you then purchase it at the lower Canadian price and bring it over into the U.S., 
that's where the pharma companies get they don't like that um, because they feel that will put downward pressure on prices in the United States they're relying on the United States uh, to cover their research costs as you mentioned and um, uh, you basically the principle I think Duane and you know push back if you if you think we're wrong on this everybody in the system should be free mm-hmm. the the drug maker should be free to sell his product or not um, the patient should be free to import the product from abroad or or not and governments should more or less stay out of the way no I like the idea I we talked about this before and I was always one who said no we shouldn't we shouldn't allow those imports because that hamstrings the the pharmaceutical companies that prevents them from recouping the costs of R&D but the case that you've made that look it will also put pressure on those foreign countries to say we are running short because that's what price controls do they either create surpluses or shortages and right. this this would create a shortage in those countries and they would be forced to then say we need to change our policy because this isn't working and then that ultimately results in American, the price of, of drugs in America decreasing because we would not be carrying the burden of the entirety of the research and development budgets of all of the pharmaceutical companies. It makes sense. That's I, right. I, I, I get that. How big of a problem is the FDA when it comes to the cost of drugs? I understand the idea of paying for research and development, the materials costs, the, the, the salaries for scientists, but how much of this cost is simply red tape from bureaucracy? It's a huge problem. In the U.S., the high cost of, of certain drugs is much less due to, say, the patent system than it is to the FDA bureaucracy. I mentioned that it takes 10 years to get a a new drug to market, most of that, two-thirds of that, uh, at least, is because of FDA requirements. FDA uh, was commissioned by Congress originally just to ensure drugs are safe. This is back in the 1930s. In the 1960s, they expanded FDA's role to also make sure the drugs work, that they are effective. And that sounds great, but it has basically tripled the cost and the time it takes to get a drug approved. And the irony is, it's very hard to know whether a drug works until a lot of doctors and patients have tried it. And so what FDA does is they try to force drug companies to sponsor these huge, expensive clinical trials for effectiveness, phase three clinical trials, they're called. And um, they, they, if they end up approving the drug, they still find that there are things they didn't learn from the trials. They, they find that the drug only works in a certain percentage of people, or um, it works for indications, you know, for health conditions that they didn't anticipate, or it doesn't work so well as they thought it did based on the trial data. In other words, it's, uh, we're going about this in a clunky 19th century way, and a more modern approach would be to say, just establish that this is safe. What are the, what's the dosage that you can give a human being without causing injury or death? And, um, and then go ahead and allow doctors and patients to try it and see what works. Make them report 
the information to a central repository so that, or, or publish it so that everybody else can see what's happening. Um, so in a sense, you're doing the clinical trial after the drug is approved rather than before. That would greatly reduce the cost of the drugs. And, um, and I don't think you have to worry about safety because the drug companies are still on the hook in terms of liability and the doctors are on the hook if you know it turns out to be harmful. So uh, yeah, that's a long-winded yeah. way of saying FDA is, is the big problem in American drug costs, in my opinion. And it, we really do need uh, reforms that speed up that process. And despite the common narrative, um, neither Big Pharma nor doctors want to kill people who give them money. <laughs> yeah, the, that's right. That's, that's uh, counter to their business plan. You don't kill people who give you money. So help me walk through like the first stages of what reforms would look like that would help us accomplish this. Well, the first one is what I just mentioned. Uh, let's have the efficacy standard proved after approval rather than beforehand. And then another one that we support is uh, automatic approval of drugs that have been shown to be safe in advanced foreign countries that we trust. You know, they have their own drug approval systems. If we trust those systems, I'm thinking of Europe, Japan, Australia, uh, let's just go ahead and approve them here. Because we actually have a tragic situation in this country where a drug might be approved for people overseas for years before it gets approved for Americans. That, that just is wrong. You know, if it's working and we know it's safe, or heck, if it's just safe and people are using it, let's go ahead and allow Americans to try it as well. And let's cut out all that additional uh, time where the bureaucracy just, you know, drags its feet or dithers. And that, too, would help redu uh, reduce prices. I seem to remember reading something about that regarding combinations of different drugs to treat cancer, where there were different combinations in Europe that weren't allowed in the United States because those drugs aren't approved in the United States for that specific treatment. That's exactly right. The, the way FDA does it is they say, we approve this drug for this indication, in other words, this particular medical condition, and only under these conditions. And they can be quite you know, strict. And you're right. So th there's a flexibility that's not there that you may have overseas. We need to have that flexibility. And by the way, I, there's another thing that we should do. Uh, we call it truth in medicine. And it's simply this. FDA imposes a gag rule on drug companies from sharing valid scientific information about new potential uses of a drug that's already been approved, but for some indication that has never been uh, was never studied in the clinical trials. We call that off-label use, because in America, doctors are allowed to prescribe any approved drug for any indication. Um, the drug companies can't uh, sort of, you know, advertise it or, or market it for anything other than the approved indication, and FDA enforces that with this gag rule. But the fact is, often the drug companies are the only ones that have good information about new potential uses of a drug that haven't been studied yet and they're they're suppressing that it's a gag rule we should lift that so that the doctors can be more informed when they uh, they make their clinical choices so basically you're saying that a drug company could have invented 
a drug to cure ear infections. And it's been approved by the FDA to be used in an ear infection. And then somehow or other, they discover it's also a wonder drug for curing warts or something. They can't tell anybody anything about that. They just have to keep that quiet, even though, you know, there's people out there that could benefit from it. Exactly. That's absurd. Exactly. What what what's next? We we've covered a few things. Is there anything else about what we would like to see that would help us accomplish this goal? Well, we uh, we are supporting what we call a personal option for prescription drugs. That's basically a set of policies that we think will help to address the problem of high cost drugs. It includes things like what we've been discussing, FDA reform and some patent reforms to deal with evergreening and the problems that prevent uh, you know, robust competition with generic alternatives. We also want to allow legal importation of drugs, as we discussed. And we would love to see the Medicare drug benefit reformed uh, to save seniors money because the, the design of the prescription drug benefit in Medicare, which has an influence on the entire market, pri- other private insurers are influenced by Medicare's policies. We could fix that so that seniors aren't exposed um, to such high drug costs. And we can do it in a way uh, that doesn't bust uh, the budget. So that plan is what we call a personal option for prescription drugs. And as part of that, we're also opposing the efforts, both federal and at the state level, to impose price controls through, for example, at the federal level, President Biden and uh, the Democrats want to impose uh, negotiation, Medicare negotiation. Medicare is a gigantic monopoly, effectively, and it wouldn't be a negotiation with the drug companies. It would be price dictation. And the fact is they would push the prices so low the drug companies would have to bow out or you would see shortages. It's a bad policy, and they're trying to enact it as we speak. So we're working really hard to prevent those federal drug price controls. And meanwhile, states are pushing it. Uh, two. Now, we've we've been able to stop it in most states. Uh, it looks like in Colorado, uh, uh, a price control bill may be getting through, but luckily uh, it was watered down in the process. So the powers uh, of the, the bureaucrats to control drug prices have been limited somewhat, and that's good. But this is a constant struggle, and the only way we're going to win long term is if we get back to the market principles where we started um, this conversation, back to buyers and sellers being able to meet at a mutually agreeable price. Thank you to Dean Clancy for taking the time to talk to us today about the intricacies of healthcare pricing and why they're so much higher in America than other countries. If you have any questions about this priority initiative or any of the other priority initiatives we've talked about, please feel free to send me an email at i the number two a at afphq.org. I'm Dwayne Lester, and this has been Insight to Action.